is a BGM podcast extra. My name is Jamie and I am your host. Before we proceed, this episode has a huge, major spoiler. So if you have not seen the season finale of Sleepy Hollow, please stop the recording right now, pause it, go watch it at your own risk, and then come back and listen to this episode. So in this episode, I speak with Monique, Kayla, Cynthia, Mel, and Kay about the season finale of Sleepy Hollow. In the season finale, one of the most prolific and prominent characters of the show, our lead, Abby Mills, is killed off. This news did not come lightly among fans of the show. There was a huge social media backlash and fans everywhere was venting and really releasing their frustrations over removing a character that first and foremost, we rarely get to see on television. And second of all, has been a huge fundamental character for the series since the pilot episode season one going forward. So imagine being married to a character that you have loved for so many years and then that character is killed off and there's nowhere to go. So many of us want to vent and use this opportunity on the podcast to comment, explain why we are upset about this, articulate how important Abby Mills is to us as fans of Sleepy Hollow, and where do we go from here after season three ends. Feel free to comment Rate us on iTunes. Let us know how you think about the podcasts each and every week. Let us know your thoughts. Use the hashtag BGM podcast while you're listening or after you listen. Let us know what did you think about season three of Sleepy Hollow? We want to hear everybody's thoughts and see everybody's thoughts tweeted and commented on our production notes through SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. So thanks again for tuning in to this BGM podcast extra of Sleepy Hollow, the season finale. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. If you are a fan of Sleepy Hollow and you happen to watch it this past weekend, then you probably have a lot of feelings and emotions towards the season finale, which in my opinion should be the series finale episode of Sleepy Hollow, where one of the major characters in the show, spoiler alert, by the way, is killed off of the show, and that would be Abby Mills. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the series overall, our thoughts, our thoughts to the showrunners, feedback regarding this exit of Abby's, and also just social media in general and what their take has been on this. So I have lovely, lovely co-hosts to talk in this panel discussion about Sleepy Hollow. We have Mel, Kayla, Cynthia, Kay, and Monique. Thank you, ladies, for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank Good to you. be here. Thank you. Let's first talk about our reactions to the season finale and the death of Abby Mills on Sleepy Hollow. 
where were you? Because <laughs> I feel like this is something where it's like, where were you when this happened? So how did you first hear about it? Were you watching it at the time? What happened when this uh, news came your way? We will start with Monique, then Cynthia, Kayla, Mel, and then Kay. Okay, so um, I, well, when I saw I was watching the show because I recap it for uh, Black Girl Nerds all the time. And uh, what I was expecting when I watched it, it's so funny, like when I first came into it, I was like, okay, after this episode, I may or may not recap it anymore because I was kind of getting tired of Sleepy Hollow and of keeping up with the fandom and yada, yada, yada. And so I was thinking, okay, after this, there'll be a good break. I'll be able to come back for season four if it happens and see if I want to keep recapping it. And so as we watched, as I watched, I was like, okay, maybe they're going to do something interesting with Abby sacrificing herself yet again, even though I was already thinking that that was a very tired trope by now because she had already sacrificed herself in the same manner in the mid-season finale. And... um what I thought initially was that they were really going to do like what the Bible says the witnesses are supposed to do, which is uh, sacrifice themselves and then come back or like are reborn as like uh, a more holier version of themselves. Because um, uh, like they're supposed to be like not Christ figures, but like holy figures. So I thought maybe they'll come back with some kind of like God powers and stuff. And at first I was on board, but then as they kept, like, especially since they were talking about the Phoenix rising and rebirth and all this stuff, I was like, okay, well, maybe they're doing this. This might be cool. But then they slowly start letting it out that she's dead for real. And I'm, and until we get to like five minutes left of the show, I'm still like, okay, maybe she's coming back uh, and, and, you know, it's just going to be a huge fake out until like, the last minute of the episode but then when we see that she's like for real dead it's like okay what did i waste uh all these seasons and all these years of my life for if this is the payoff that one of the witnesses not only dies but doesn't come back in any kind of way that would help the story or make sense to um any kind of biblical stuff that they were using in the first season. So it's like annoying. And at first I was angry, but now I'm just kind of disappointed. And that's all I have left of emotions as far as Abby's death. It's just very, a large sense of disappointment that there's so much they could have done with the character and they just decided to let it go. Even if Nicole wanted to leave um, and they had to get rid of the character some kind of way, there was another way they could have done it and not alienate the entire fan base like this, or at least a good chunk of the fan base. So it's it's very disturbing to me. Cynthia? Um, I was spending my last few minutes before going to bed on Twitter. Um, and I just, I, I fell upon a tweet that you wrote, Jamie, mm-hmm. about Abby. So I was just like, okay, well, let me catch up because it seems as if you're retweeting a lot of responses to what you said. So let me let me brush up on what it is that was being said. And that's when I read 
about the death. And that's when I put my phone down. And like, you know that that infamous gif of homeboy from The Wire where he's just his mouth, his hand is over his mouth. Lebe? Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly which gift you're talking about. <laughs> like, I just, and then I picked up my phone, and then I, I I read it again, and then I like something in me just went off. Hmm. It just went off, and <sighs> I don't I like I have so many emotions about this that I feel like we'll begin to dissect themselves once we continue on with the podcast and really get to the nitty gritty of it all. But the only thing I do have to say is that I feel tricked. I think mm. a lot of us feel tricked yeah. because the series started off starring a black woman who had issues and she had issues for, for reasons. She wasn't just put onto the show already having some sort of shell because that's just the way she is. No, she was suffering through trauma. She was suffering through unfinished business. And she was carrying that with her until she met Ichabod Crane. And they both used their past to try and help them with their future and what they had to do on on Earth and what they had to do in the series. And the fact that it started off with these two as a team and then ventured off into Abby as a sidekick... To a point where I don't I don't know it's it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking and it feels like deceit and it feels like trickery and I hate it I hate all of it I'm still pissed as fuck Kayla um I was a uh, at a basketball game and I was gotten sick of watching and you know got on my phone and saw your tweet and um. I know we didn't have that many people in our row and I out loud say, holy shit, they did what? Mm. <laughs> and they all looked at me like, I was like, just don't worry about it. Just go on about your business. But it is hard to, you know, yeah. kind of stomach that just because they lost me as a viewer season two because of what Abby's character became. What attracted me to the show was the supernatural elements and the, the way it was written and um, it filled a void within my little nerd heart that was reminiscent of when Charmed was on and how well that was written. And she, you know, Abby was the black Piper Hollywell of my dreams. And she had issues, like Cynthia said, and you could identify with her, especially as a black woman. And it, it was unnecessary and devastating. Um, I don't know if you know, Fox was, I don't know if they were just like, you know, <clears throat> like, oh, wait, we're too progressive now. Let's pull back because of how they already are. <clears throat> but um, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to put into words, especially when you start to connect with the character and then they start, you know, writing the character differently. You feel that shift. You feel that change. And it's hard to stay connected. And the way that they went about writing her off the show was disrespectful to an entire fan base. And their response to it, which, I mean, we'll get into later, I didn't appreciate. Um, and I know a lot of people on Twitter don't appreciate their response to it. But it's uh, 
there's there's a lot of feelings left um that I've got to get out <laughs> because I loved Abby and that's why I left watching and then to hear what they did it just you know had to go back and watch it the next day just to see it for my own that's sad that I had to go back and watch it for the next day and see it with my own eyes to be like is this for real and it was Mel um well I was sitting on my couch as I usually do because I only watch two shows in real time and it's Sleepy Hollow and The Walking Dead and both had series or season finales that were um, shocking in a way. <laughs> so I was sitting on my couch watching this and I mean, I got the feeling from the episode that she was going to sacrifice herself. And then, you know, I kept thinking, okay, so how are they going to fix this? How are they going to fix this? I waited up until the credits rolled for them to fix that, fix what they did. And then they didn't. And it was, I'm like, I stuck with you through season two I came back for season three, even though there was no reason for me to come back. I mean, you already showed what you thought of us as viewers, what you thought about Abby, what you thought about us loving Abby. There was really no reason to come back. But I came back anyway. And I sat there every Friday and I watched the show and I'm like, I defended it to people. I'm like, it got better season three. It did. It did. For them to end it like this, they took this character that we all loved and we all related to and... They just made the whole thing meaningless. Everything they had established about the character in season one and their relationship, they threw all of that out. And then for a reason, that made no sense to me. It's like the more I thought about it, I was like, this is bullshit. All of it. <laughs> it just sounded like they, they really wanted to get rid of that character and that dynamic that they had that Ichabod and Abby had. They wanted to get rid of it. And they tried with Katrina, and it didn't work. And then this season, they were going to try, I guess, with introducing more characters, and that didn't work either. So they're like, we're just going to kill her. And that's it. And then problem fixed. That's what it felt like to me. Okay. So um, I actually was on vacation. Um, and I was actually in Europe in the time and just kind of catching up on tweets. And that's how I found out. So I actually couldn't wait to get back home um, to watch the episode. I just knew that everyone um, was kind of in an uproar. And uh, so me watching so much later than most people, the only thing I kept thinking about was how did they kill Abby with so much unfinished business? <laughs> like in season one, uh, what I loved most about Sleepy Hollow was that, you know, Abby represented such a strong black woman um, who was working through her issues. She had a lot of issues, but she was working through them. She worked hard. She had developed this new deep relationship with, with Ichabod Crane. And that was great. Then season two happened, uh, as most of you have mentioned, and she became a sidekick. She became a sidekick to the Katrina and Ichabod show, and that did not work. Um, and then season three, I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance. You know, why not? Uh, but in my opinion, this season was really, really hard to follow, and it was kind of all over the place. So, you know, while I was watching the episode, I realized that I shouldn't have been surprised that they would write so poorly for her exit just because of the way this season was going in general. 
And I probably should have seen her death coming with all of her full circle moments in love, her father's return, and um, this storyline with Betsy Ross, which didn't actually make sense to me until I watched the episode. And I was like, oh, I see what they're doing there. They're trying to um, show that a witness dies and a new witness gets reborn, all that crap, you know, to set up for season four, which they shouldn't have. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so for me, I was editing this past week's podcast, and I always keep my Twitter open just in case there's breaking news that happens, and uh, I had gotten a tweet, and it was from a fan of the show. He's been watching the show since the pilot, and we always live tweet together, and he tagged me and Monique in this tweet, stating that, okay, well, don't need to watch Sleepy Hollow anymore. They killed off Abby Mills, and I'm like, what? They killed Abby? No. So that's when I um, went to Twitter and just started venting. And I'll be honest with you guys. I've been watching a bit of season three, but I'm not fully caught up. I feel like a third of the whole entire season was just Abby in a cave. And that was it. Um, There really wasn't a lot going on with her character. Um, And I've been really disappointed in the show uh, since after season two. Uh, They picked up a little bit towards the end of season two, but overall, it's just been a huge disappointment in marginalizing her character so much. So most of what I have been able to pick up from on season three is just a few of those episodes with her being gone. So, yeah, when I when I found out this information, I was absolutely, you know, infuriated and it was very disappointing because like all of you said this fan base we have been sort of tagged along to believe that there's going to be some sort of evolving relationship between Ichabod Crane and Abby and and that we're going to see so much more develop with her character and the relationship between her sister and and her other um, family members so I, I thought that they were going to do more with her character and when I had heard that she was just completely removed in such a brutal way that was incredibly disappointing Uh, so the show has every right to get dragged right now because of the way they've led fans over these past three seasons so i i want to take this conversation to the showrunner and ask you about clifton campbell i believe he replaced the previous showrunner after season two or maybe or maybe he started in season two i don't quite remember But he had done an interview with Entertainment Weekly, which went viral because it was literally like right after the show had ended, this interview pops up and he talks about her death. And one of the things that really bugged me about this, and I want to read this, I don't want to paraphrase, I want to read his exact words. Uh, The interviewer asks him, Abby tells Crane that her job was to carry him forward. And now her job is done. Could you speak about how Abby gets to the point where she realizes that she's taken herself as far as she needs to go? And I just want to read the latter part of his his statement to this. It's important that when one witness sacrifices for another, as she does, that she acknowledge that her job is done. She has taken Crane as far as she can and puts him at the doorstep of his next journey. When I read that, I was just like, what show is he watching? Because I had no idea that the witnesses were set up in a way where they have to sacrifice 
themselves for another witness. I always saw Ichabod and Abby as two colleagues on equal footing. What, what's the point of this whole sacrificing thing for another? And never was it indicated in previous seasons or episodes that this was a thing. So I feel like he's just making up shit as he goes along. <laughs> um, but I, I want to get your take. What were your thoughts about Clifton Campbell's response and also the response of other uh, writers from Sleepy Hollow? Because also there was a writer, um, gosh, I can't remember his name, Jose. Jose Molina. Jose Molina. Molina, who got really in his feelings about the fact that people were venting their frustrations about it. And he worked on season one. He's no longer with Sleepy Hollow. But he tried to make it like it was a race thing, which it completely wasn't. Um, obviously, he doesn't watch the show either. We're upset because she's the main character of the show. But I, I want to get your thoughts about uh, Clifton Campbell's response, Jose Molina, and anybody else that's affiliated with the show, how uh, they've taken this finale and just burned it to the ground. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll start by saying that... Um, I I didn't I didn't understand what the logic was with what he was saying because like and this is another betrayal because like a lot of people I was one of the main people being like um, this season's gonna set us up for the the rest of the series and uh, you know they're bouncing back from season two yada 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 we should have faith in Clifton Campbell yada 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 and um, all of his um, statements didn't make any sense because it's like she's he's saying that abby is um the the stepping stone for ichabod mm-hmm. when it's completely not true like um the whole story has been these two witnesses these two people right. uh traversing time and space and all kinds of traversing death even because um, Ichabod was effectively dead for 200 years, um, like in a, a coma type situation for 200 years. And they come together um, and they help save the world from the apocalypse as, uh, again, since we're going back to the Christianity apocalypse that this is based on, like they're supposed to be, you know, God's messengers together doing this, saving the world from the devil, basically. And so it's like, how is it that all of a sudden we go from these two witnesses who are bound souls together to one has to die for the other one? Because to me, like even in the first season, in the second episode where Abby has to go into the dream world, um, I forget exactly what happens. Like the the Native American episode where she has to go to the dream world and is dealing with Jenny and her relationship with Jenny and all that stuff. Like she could have died in that dreamscape but Ichabod sacrificed himself along with her to go with her to that place and it's like from the very beginning they've been doing everything together and even when um, Ichabod was about to kill himself to save the world from the order I forgot their names right now but like the Illuminati basically Mm -hmm. and and Abby is still like, there's another way. Like, that became the mantra for the show is that there's another way to do things. And so it, it was always about them together and how they're going to figure it out together, not which one of us is going to be the stepping stone for the other one. Right. And and for uh, the for for it to be that 
Abby is, is the stepping stone. If anyone should be a stepping stone, if we're going to do it like that, if anyone should be the stepping stone, it should be Ichabod, who's already yeah. lived 200 years. Like, <laughs> what more life does he need? Like, he's lived longer than anyone. So if anyone's going to sacrifice themselves, it should be him. Right. But yeah. um, the both of them should still be either they're still alive or they're still in a a dead zone type space together trying to figure out how to fix this from where they are so they can come back to the living world, you know, something to where it makes sense that they would be together. Not that Abby is all of a sudden a, as I said in my piece um, on your site, the mule to the world. Like she's literally a mule to the world, sacrificing herself. And after all the stuff that we have been through with her, all the stuff that we identify with her, like I wrote that I identify with the fact that she's a workaholic, that she doesn't know how to access her emotions like, you know, she probably should and all that stuff. Her being an imperfect person and still being chosen to do this holy thing. And then we throw it away by just her being like, my work is done. Like, it's not done. Like, it's not, it's, there's so much more that needed to be said about her life. And someone tweeted something about how Abby had she grew up with a single parent she had uh you know all kinds of like mental issues going on uh, uh, sister issues going on uh drug addiction you know all kinds of stuff that could have been a gold mine for a television show to create a well-rounded character but just to throw it away like that is like did they know what they were working with did they know what character they were even using so I don't know. I mean, I'm disappointed in in Campbell's response because I was expecting a lot from him after what I saw from the Glades, which I think he created and show, show ran. Is that a word? Show ran that show. <laughs> show um, rant. <laughs> yeah. So I was overall just disappointed and irritated, to, mm. to say the least. It definitely sounded like he didn't know what show he was working on. I mean, it, it really sounded mm-hmm. like from someone else that kind of stepped in at the last minute, like something an intern would say. <laughs> it, I, honestly, I think that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Because for you to come out of... Because, you know, you have people that are fans of the show watching this. Not just watching it, but also waiting for a response and reading that response. So for you to say that, such a half-assed answer that doesn't even make sense or really correlate with what people have been watching for three seasons. Mm -hmm. For you to say that, not only is it insulting to the attentive viewers of the show, but it's also just like, did you really think that we would be okay with that response? (laughs) And if you thought that we would be okay with it, then that says a lot. That just goes to show you that the staff over there, whoever's writing it, whoever's directing it, producing it, whoever. It's it's like a broken team. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the answer was just so it felt so heartless. It didn't feel as if they really put a lot of thought into this. It felt like they needed to find some reason to get her off the show because, you know, her contract was ending and she was done. It just felt like some reason to get her off the show. I felt the same way about Orlando Jones's character. Yeah, that, that didn't feel right to me either. Mm-mm. You know, they spent so much time on Ichabod and his terribly written wife and his whack ass son instead of focusing on the team 
that they created from season one, which is Abby and Ichabod. Those two are supposed to help each other through their struggles and the past that they have that's going to show up in the future that will conflict their journey. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what I saw. Not in season two and season three. In season two and season three, it became the Ichabod show and Abby was along for the ride. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. I have to agree with, I have to agree with Monique though. Like, for me, I was like, did the showrunners even consider, like, if they were going to go this route, um, and let's just assume that they were going to set it up properly, which they did not, because, again, for the past three seasons, they've been doing this you-move-I-move situation with Ichabod and, and Abby. You die, I die. We're a team. That's how it is. Um, but even if they were going to go this route and start doing this, hey, one witness sacrifices themselves for the other, then why couldn't it have been Ichabod? Like, did they even consider it to be him? Because at the end of the day, Abby sacrificed herself in the catacombs for like, you know, two thirds of the season. So why not put that on Ichabod? Well, I mean, we know why. One, when you think of Sleepy Hollow, you automatically think of Ichabod Crane because he's in the story. You know? And two... They don't give a fuck about Abby. <laughs> I mean, I it's plain simple. Can I tack on to that about Ichabod? Yeah. The thing that, um, because yeah, he is the main character in the story, but the the show that they built, right? Abby has the bloodline. She has great Stinson in her past. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. has her mother. She has. Moloch coming for her and her sister. Yep. She has now her father who's involved with this. She has Sheriff Corbin. If you were going to look at somebody who should have been, who should have lived, who they should have built the show around, it should have been Abby. And then looking back at season three, I can see how they were going to do this because they started laying the Bloodline Foundation into Ichabod. Whereas before he kind of fell into this, like mm. he knew all these influential people and then, oh my God, I'm a witness. And then, you know, he fell into this, basically. He should have died back then, but his wife wasn't going to let him die. That's what happened. But now... And they started introducing suddenly he has this ancient text in an old tomb. You have the ancient ones saying it, you know, it was passed down through his family. I'm like, okay, so now they're taking all that stuff that they used to set up Abby and her family. They're putting it on Ichabod to make it seem like, you know, he is he is the story. He is everything while she is just, you know, the stepping stone to make the story better for him. Yeah, it occurred to me, like, honestly, that they were doing this. When I watched the season finale, I was like, wow. Because the entire season, I was like, what does Betsy Ross have to do with this? Like, ultimately, they could have left her character out. But it occurred to me um, while watching that they use that as kind of the, well, Betsy, Betsy Ross was his original, you know, partner. And she was the first witness, quote unquote, And she sacrificed herself in the catacombs so that Abby could come along. And now Abby's sacrificing herself so that, you know, the next witness in the bloodline comes along. Which will probably be another female witness to sacrifice herself to Ichabod. (laughs) Because clearly all the women just need to sacrifice themselves. Right. Or she'll be a white woman and they'll have the (laughs) dynamic they always wanted. So there you go. And then they'll be happy and they'll get married and they'll have babies. And it'll be perfect. Yeah, Did you just describe right. bones? I think you described bones. <laughs> yeah, it'll be bones, but like supernatural version of it. I, that's I, what. I think, honestly, just from hearing you guys talk about this, I think one of the most disheartening things about this whole thing is that 
Abby and Ichabod as characters, and then Nicole and Tom as actors, mm-hmm. they had such amazing chemistry. Yes. yes. You know, you know, both of them being there together, they both contributed to each other's characters, where one of them, their their character was enhanced just by the presence of the other. So the fact that they just completely severed this partnership here because you could ship them but at the same time even if they didn't become a couple or an item them as best friends works just as Mm -hmm. great yeah you have two extraordinary partners here and the way that this this series did nicole who probably really enjoyed being on the set really enjoyed being abby really enjoyed having this role it, it's just it's it, that's the part that really hurts me trying to put myself in the cold shoes i mean even tom said this was abby's story yes and it, it made me think like did he know when he was talking about that did he know what was gonna happen did he know like the direction that they were going in and he was trying to stop it or i don't know but it's just sad the whole thing yeah, I was about to say, the two of them are such stand-up people just in real life yep. that I can only imagine how challenging this was for them to, one, be subjected to the terrible writing that was happening this season, and two, to, you know, have to see such a great bond and great chemistry just abruptly broken apart. Yeah, it and... was like there was no build-up to that. It just was mm-hmm. so sudden. So, I mean, that's got to be traumatic in itself for the actors. And to the point about um, to the point about uh, Tom, how much he might have known. Like I think personally that um, he, well, I don't know how much he might have known, but I think he he's probably like a little upset too, because like he's he's been upset since the second season about how his character is written, because he in some interview I read he was saying how he didn't like how Ichabod was always. Um, doing stuff with Katrina that didn't make sense and how uh, he was kind of referencing Abby being sidelined because he was saying that Ichabod should be, you know, more progressive with what he's, or more proactive, I mean, with, you know, saving the world instead of trying to take care of Katrina. And so I really would love to know what he has to say about this season because he always ends up being really honest in his interviews. Um, And I would love to know how he felt about it because... He said when he's upset before, and he would probably say it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, what bothered me about the, and it's like the last thing that, I mean, I read in an article, one of the last things, is he says, Abby Mills did everything she could do as a witness. How do you know that? Really? Did you think to go past that before you gave this sugar-coated bullshit answer, <laughs> you know, to to pacify people? And it didn't work. So I'm at a point to where I, I like Monique said, I want to hear what Tom has to say because I feel like the actors on the show have way more to say about what happened than the writers do. The writers are going to defend what they wrote. Yeah. What the network has brought to them to how to handle a situation. Um, I just, I don't, I don't, that was my my biggest irk was that statement. She did everything she could do as a witness. So let's just give it all to Ichabod and then bring on the next person that's going to take her place. And it 
it left me feeling angry because, like I said, as you're supposed to uh, delve further into your imagination when you have these characters and see where else you can take them, there's no, I feel like there's no limit and as, as far as they could have taken Abby's character, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So that that answer, like I said, was sugar-coated bullshit, and it made me very <laughs> upset. He was bullshitting so much in that article. It was ridiculous. You could smell it mile away, the bullshit. Social media got super upset, as they should be, um, and there was a huge backlash. They a lot of tweeting to the Sleepy Hollow Fox account. I tweeted to them many times, and there were some hashtags that came out that were in support of Nikki Biari. Uh, one hashtag in particular, and this was started by at Miss Ivy underscore League on Twitter. For her credit, it's called I Am Abby Mills. And um, it was really great to see that because, you know, in addition to us being so frustrated and angry at the situation, uh, someone decided to turn it around and be supportive and let Nicole Biari know that we are here for her, that you've inspired us throughout the years and what Abby Mills meant to us as fans. So I just wanted to know what your opinions were, first of all, on the social media backlash that happened and also the supportive hashtag, I am Abby Mills. Well, I think it's, uh, the backlash is well-deserved. And um, I mean, everyone from fans to critics have been angered by what happened. And I know from my personal experience, because I, I have a, a fan hat and I have a journalist hat. And with both of them, I've been able to interview some people from the show um, and particularly one of the writers from the show, one of the only black writers on the show. And so with hearing what he said, I was like, okay, maybe this season will go in the right direction. But and I don't know, I'm not blaming him because um, I know that there's, you know, dynamics that go on in the writing room mm-hmm. to where, you know, <sighs> racial things, gender things that someone might overlook or bully someone else about in the writing room and they get their way. Um, So I'm not blaming him particularly, but after going through all that and being like, okay, I think we're going to have a good season and to have all this happen. And, you know, me personally being a a journalist and a TV critic, that's like trying to promote this show on my own, along with everyone else. It's like, like I, I spent so much time doing this i didn't have to do it i'm not getting paid to do it and i did it and this is the thanks that i get for doing it and so it's like the backlash is is deserved because the fans to their credit they have they they pressured for a season three they're the main ones a season three exists the main reason a season three exists is because of the fans it's it's ludicrous to me that a show would Take, have that second chance at life and then they just squander it by not listening to the fans that helped them get that second chance in the first place. Like, uh, And I don't mean like fans have to like dictate every move a show makes, but at the same time, a show has to listen to what the fans want and deliver as much as they can with the ramifications that they have. And they couldn't even do that. And it's like the simplest thing is to at least just have them 
go out on a date or something. Like, that could have been the simplest of things to do. Or, you know, even to keep Abby alive would have been the simplest thing to do. But um, they didn't even do that. And so it's like all of the breadcrumbs were there. It was an easy layup of a show with such a great first season. And so the backlash to me, I mean, I think they need to take their lumps and, like, examine what happened because it's a it's a master class in what not to do when creating a show mm. and i think everyone who wants to create a show including myself because i've already said i'm trying to write a show right now because i'm so mad about this but um everyone who is interested in screenwriting screenwriting teachers should like take a look at sleepy hollow and teach it and learn from it because this is what not to do in the 21st century when you have an active fan base who's on Twitter, who's also online with the stars and the showrunner and the writers and everyone's online at the same time. This is what not to do. Like you have to listen to the fans because they're right there now. Like it's not like how in even the 90s uh, where you couldn't talk to anyone. You can literally talk to them now. So you have to hear what they want and do your best to deliver what you can. I mean, you won't be able to deliver everything, but to do what you can to keep your fan base happy. It's just like any company tries to do with their customers. You try to do what you can. And so I think that they need, that the the team needs to learn from it. Writers can learn from it. Uh, aspiring anyone in entertainment can learn from it. And I think everyone should pay attention to the hashtag because it also details why Abby is important to so many people, um, to black women in particular, as I've said in my piece, why she's important to me and just that she validates being a, a, a an imperfect uh, black woman who is still struggling to reach her goals and to be the person she wants to be in a world that often denies her the right to do what she wants to do. And she's also important to other people who watch the show who may have learned about certain, you know, inequities that women, black women, uh, minorities in general have in the world, how to write for mm-hmm. black women, um, all kinds of stuff. So. I think the the hashtag and the backlash is very important for many reasons. Yeah, I think um too it's it's very interesting because the Sleepy Hollow Fox account has been following Black Girl Nerds on Twitter for a while now. I actually since season 1 um because I remember using the hashtag sleepyheads at first and uh seeing their tweets and noticed that they had followed the account and they've been very supportive of this platform so much so that I had gotten a jacket sent to me in the mail from the Sleepy Hollow folks, and uh, they started using the hashtag um, out of the blurred community, Sleepy Hollow. So I had some faith in uh, in the Twitter account. It's it's unfortunate that this community that has been rallied by the fans through Sleepy Hollow has rejected us when it comes to us giving feedback and letting them know what's right and what's not right. 
And it's also funny to watch the Sleepy Hollow account now tweet out random things and just seeing a stream of comments and replies of people that are just indignant. I mean, folks are angry. There's not one positive tweet that I see in response when they tweet stuff out. So it, it, it's a very interesting spectacle to notice on, on Twitter. Yeah, and even on Facebook, too. Like, there's nothing positive at all on Facebook either. Mm-hmm. You know, usually um, when every episode comes on, um, you'll have those people who tweet about Sleepy Hollow and at the end will be, you know, hashtag Sleepy Hollow and then hashtag renew Sleepy Hollow. And then, like, maybe 20 minutes into the episode, all the renew Sleepy Hollow started to drop off. And by the end, it was like, hashtag cancel Sleepy Hollow. So... <laughs> <laughs> like in real time you just saw how you lost your fan base in one like of the these, space of 45 minutes one of these days they'll stop denying how powerful their fan bases are on twitter right and how not to piss them off um walking dead got the you know hint so i mean i don't know what it's gonna take for you know other shows to know you know we're out there we're watching we're your audience we're not ones to be screwed with. And I think that the social media backlash of this has been glorious and I love it, especially, you know, you've got actors talking about how disappointed they are and backing up the fan base. And I, I I love it and I feed on it and I'm going to keep feeding the fire for a few more days (laughs) (laughs) until, until orphan black comes back and I'm happy I'm going to be angry until Thursday. That's just where I am right now. <laughs> well, I can't imagine that Fox is not paying attention. And I can't imagine that they're going to get renewed with this type of backlash. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, and, and I feel bad for, like, the actors that are there, like Lindy Greenwood. You know, like, I, I want to see these actors continue to get work. But you're right. I, I don't see them, you know, either getting renewed or it may be canceled later on because there are so many fans, including myself that don't plan to watch season four because of Abby not being there. I mean, the reason why I got into sleepy hollow was when I found out Nicole Biari was cast in Mm -hmm. the role. Like she is what brought me to the show in the first place. If she was not a part of this show, it's likely that I probably would have not tuned in. And season one was so beautiful, so energetic, just filled with so much hope to see a black woman in genre TV doing this kind of role that is not a trope, that is not a stereotype. And I think all of us inhibit some, you know, parts of her personality as Abby Mills. And even it's cross racial lines where I see so many white supporters. I see so many other supporters of color um, that love watching this show. And it's because of Abby Mills and the fact that you've completely erased that yeah, don't expect anybody to come back in season four. Nope. Peace. And also, they killed her 17 minutes into the season finale. Can we just talk about they, how? They did. It like, was so... Am I the only one that noticed oh, how jumpy uh, that was? Serious? It was. 17 minutes? 17 yeah. minutes yeah. is when Take she out. sacrificed herself. She basically is, missed yeah. the entire season finale. <laughs> Which is why I thought they were going to bring her back. I was like, they can't just do this this early. Come on, you have the rest of the episode to bring oh her back. God. Yo, listen. And they didn't. <laughs> nah. Yeah, this show is done. And this you know, also, I, I'm pretty sure we didn't only lose Abby. I'm pretty sure we lost Jenny, too. 
because Jenny's gone off to the back beyond to go get rid of Joe's ashes, and I don't see her coming back from that. Hmm. I think they got rid of both sisters in one episode. Hmm. Hmm. That's well, so that's, I thought it was completely oh unrealistic how she didn't mourn her sister's death. Like, what? Because it's not about them. It's about Ichabod's pain. All of it is Ichabod's so pain. So sloppy. That is so sloppy. So... You know, obviously, they don't know how to treat Abby Mills on this show. And also, they don't know how to treat Nikki Biari because uh, she was not followed on Twitter by the show. She actually had to ask the show to follow her on Twitter. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then she was not included in the DVD commentary for, I think it was season two, was Mm -hmm. it? So... uh, what does that say about a show that doesn't even have respect for its own actors, how they treat a fictional character? <sighs> that says a lot, I'll tell you that much. A lot where I'm like all the energy that I was feeling then is starting to boil up now because in in all sincerity, fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. That is so <laughs> trash. How, like I can't even imagine how it feels to be so excluded in a sense. You Which know? is why I, it it pisses me off that they keep saying, "Oh, she wanted to go." Yep. We're just doing this because she wanted to. I'm like, you assholes pushed her out. Right. Why? Who would want to stay under these conditions? Yep. Mm. <sighs> well, I think the best line of the entire season finale was when Crane asked Abby, "What is there for me in a world without you?" Thank you. Oh, God. Honestly, though, yeah. I'm not interested in watching a show without them being a duo. So, honestly. <laughs> oh, my God. When he kissed her hand, and I was like, you bastards. <laughs> okay. So, there there were two good things out of the season finale. Oh, God. It's so heartbreaking. And but, so uh, it, it also goes to Orlando Jones's point um, in, like, a Reddit or something where he was asked, why did you leave Sleepy Hollow? And he said, I was kindly asked to leave with, you know, no real provocation as to why he, they wanted him to leave, just that they wanted him to go. And so he was like, I'm surprised that they're acting like, like I wanted to leave. Like they're, they're acting like they were surprised that he left when they asked him to go. So it's like, okay. So it's been going on for a while. Yeah. So I I wanted to go really quick, two more points, and then we'll wrap up. Um, And Monique brought him up, Orlando Jones' reaction. (laughs) I love Orlando Jones. I mean, he was on our podcast. I kind of wanted to have a conversation about Sleepy Hollow, but he was very good about keeping it tight-lipped. But sometimes on social media, he does kind of let it out about his feelings towards the show. And he did it in a very profound way, um, referencing the fact that a dark-skinned black actress sacrificing or not sacrificing herself to a white man um, says no development executive ever. Uh, <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts about Orlando Jones's reaction to this this mess? That tweet was everything. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was so real because you know it's true. They can act like it's not true, but it so is. And he called them out in the most indirect way. And it, and it was beautiful. And he said a dark-skinned black actress. Mm-hmm. He threw colorism into it. I was like, damn, OJ, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it needed to be said. It really needed to be said. I wish that he could say more, and I don't know if there's, like, NDAs involved and stuff when you leave a show, but um, I'm, I'm just curious to know what the climate was at Sleepy Hollow. I get a sense that it was not a comfortable climate for people of color, probably as a show that was very uncomfortable for him, and he felt like he couldn't get, um, you know, expand his range in that role, and, and the same thing with, with Nicole. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to see. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall over at the uh, the Sleepy Hollow set. Yeah, it sounds very unhealthy. I mean, when you look at all the diversity in season one and how quickly they got rid of most of it, I mean, that's really telling. Well, and it was so diverse in season one. We yeah. had Brooks. We had Luke, you know, Asian, Hispanic, Black. Ichabod was, was the minority in season He one. was the minority, yeah. It was and so was beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? But that's the thing we I was talking about, you know, with Fox. I don't know what it is, what they do with their shows, where it's like we have one too many people of color. They did it with New Girl. Coach was written off to go to New York. I don't know exactly what was going on with that. But it was like, we've got an Indian, we've got a Jewish person, we got two black guys. All right. Time to windle it down. So that's where I'm starting to feel this whole push from the getting away. They start off so diverse with their shows, and then towards the end, it's like the analogy that Donald Glover says of a of a cocoa puff and a ball of kicks, like in a in a thing of kicks. <laughs> and so that's what you're stuck with. And I'm I'm not here for that. I was here for the diversity, and you took it away from me. Yeah. Well, to to be fair with New Girl, um, Coach actually got a pilot on one of the funniest comedies ever that I love called Happy Endings. So he ended up doing that. So it was really just um, he ended up taking the pilot, which is why they brought him back later on when um, they canceled Happy Endings. So Didn't he just leave, though? Yeah, he just left, though. Again. Yeah, it's the second time he left. Well, the second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did just the second time, yeah. which why I'm not sure probably more behind the scenes stuff. Hopefully he got another pilot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping I I try to give Fox the benefit of the doubt because they do from time to time, put out really good shows like sleepy hollow. Yeah. And And they, and they did a good job with almost human, but you know, that got canceled and then they did a good job with minority report, but then that got canceled. (laughs) So I'm still mad about almost the theme about cancellations here at Fox. Yeah, Fox has a season one curse, and I just, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) So my final question to you is, do you plan to watch next season? Why or why not? Hell no. No. I think think everyone is a no. 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 They got rid of the reason why I was watching. What's the point now? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, and it, and collectively we can say the reason why we're not watching next season is because of Abby Mills. Yep. Nope. Yes. No. That's not it. At all. That's it. Yep. Well, rest in peace, Sleepy Hollow. I, I hope that you know, Monique, you had mentioned that this will be sort of like a cautionary tale for other writers out there to create really great genre TV. And also listen to the fans. Um, I, mm-hmm. I really hope that there are other creators out there that will um, create something similar to the magic that Sleepy One, uh, Sleepy Hollow Season 1 had. 
and that we can actually see ourselves in a different light on television because it was so refreshing. Uh, Sleepy mm-hmm. Hollow it was such a refreshing show to watch and we don't get that. So it's incredibly disappointing when the one little small sliver of representation that we get is, is mm. taken away from us, stolen away from us, really. Uh, so it's unfortunate, but I'm going to cross my fingers to hope that we'll get something else that will be replaced sooner than later. Shonda Rhimes will yeah. give us a supernatural show and we'll all be happy. I hope so. God. That would be awesome. <laughs> She's got everything else. Come on, it's time. Please, Shonda, help. I wonder, I <laughs> we know. need your help. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go, I want to give you guys the opportunity to give your social media shout outs and any projects that you're working on and where we can find you on the web. So we will start with Kayla, Mel, uh, Monique, and then Kay. You can find me, Kayla, on Twitter at Maria underscore Hisella. And also, I'm responsible for all those funny gifts you guys love on BGN Podcast on Twitter. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> um, you can find me um, at Jane underscore Anon um, or the Nerds of Prey podcast. Either one. Yeah, come tweet at me. We can talk about this. We can cry together. It's okay. You can find me on Twitter at MoniqueBlogNet. You can also find me on Twitter at ColorWebMag, on Facebook, uh, just search uh, Just Add Color, and my website, Just Add Color, which is ColorWebMag.com. And I've also got a magazine that is floating somewhere on the site. You can click it and you can read what I write about each month. Some of it is exclusive and won't actually be on the site. So you have to read the magazine to see what else I'm talking about. And I think that's it. And you can find me, KB, um, at Lady, K-A-Y-B-21. And you can also find me on the podcast, The Show About Nothing, and also here on BGN. And Cynthia had to drop off early. So Cynthia is a contributor at Black Girl Nerds, and you can find her at Symphonite on Twitter. And for me, you can find me at my personal, at Jamie Brodnax, or you can check out at Black Girl Nerds on Twitter. That's usually where I hang out. And I just want to say thank you to all of you guys for coming on and a special thank you to Monique, who has been a contributor at Black Girl Nerds, doing all of those fantastic recaps of Sleepy Hollow over the last three years. Um, Thank you. I'm going to miss your posts. (laughs) You're you're welcome. We're going to miss your posts. Yeah. yeah, we're all going to miss it. Yeah, right. Well, 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 don't be too sad because I'm going to still write stuff for Black Girl Nerds and I'm still like I'm ready for Riverdale. So I'm already pumped yes. for Riverdale. So I'm going to be doing Riverdale. Yeah, yes. I'm excited about Riverdale, too. Speaking of genre TV, that shows some varied representation of black women and women of color. So, yes, looking forward to that as well. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. This was a great show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have to, Jamie.